examples of the human condition because leprosy begins inside and then manifests itself outside it begins it's an internal problem that has external effects and that's exactly what Jesus is doing and that to me like when I was researching religions before I became a Christian that was the one thing that grabbed me about Jesus is Jesus wasn't going at the issues with my lifestyle he was going at my heart that drove my lifestyle when you throw a stone into water, the disruption ripples out across the surface, just like everything you do impacts someone else. It's a bitter pill to swallow. But as Pastor Daniel teaches today, we'll find comfort in the truth that God wants everyone to be safe. This section of Leviticus, which addresses disease, describes a process of examination and treatment. Not only can it be applied physically, but spiritually as well. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Blemishes. I had one of someone on our staff say, hey, um, so Pastor Daniel, you realize that you're teaching Leviticus and Ecclesiastes at the same time. And those are two of the hardest books to teach in the whole Bible. And I'm like, well, once it's over, everything will be downhill from here. God's Word is amazing, isn't it? I know for many of you, it's your first time studying the book of Leviticus and, you, and knowing that it's the graveyard of your through the Bible reading plan. And we're finding so much in God's Word, so, so many truths that although the book of Leviticus was written thousands of years ago, 3,500, 4,000 years ago, the realities of what are being addressed is very contemporary for you and I. And so we're in this second series in the book of Leviticus that we began in chapter 9 called Cleansing. And if you recall, just to put it in context, this section of the book of Leviticus is about God's people knowing the difference between what is sacred and what is common, what is clean and unclean. And at the core of the idea of this section of the book of Leviticus is that there is distinctions that not everything is of the same substance. Now, and it's an important clarification for us because we live in a day and age where nobody wants there to be distinctions about anything. Everyone's like, well, look, it's just what I'm doing. And so who are you to say what is acceptable or unacceptable? What is good for me or not good for me? What is God honoring or not God honoring? And what you find from the very beginning of the Bible that God in creating everything made distinctions. There's the day and the night. There's the light and the darkness. There's the land and then there's the waters. There is male and female. So all the way through the Bible, God reserves the authority and the right to say this is good and this is evil. By the time you get into the prophets later, we find the prophet saying things like, wrong is it to call evil good and good evil. He's saying that even though you're going to want to say that something is evil is actually good, it's still wrong. 
So God makes a distinction. And in this section of the book of Leviticus, God is giving the children of Israel all these different things that this is when something is sacred. This is when something is common. This is when something is clean and unclean. Now, remember we made the point that for the children of Israel, God is concerned with their well-being, with their health. And so much of what we have been seeing is about God saying, listen, when you have a child, because there's going to be a blood discharge after you have your child, you need to spend some time away from the people in order to get healed up and also to be able to not pass along diseases. A lot of this section is about the children of Israel staying healthy, keeping bodily discharges apart from the community. Because in that culture, this was long, long before hand sanitizers, bleach, 409 or 40 whatever stuff is. You know, it's like all whatever it is you use to keep everything clean, your, your laundry detergent, your dish detergent, we use all that because we realize that germs happen. And when germs happen, sickness happens. And when sickness happens, people die. Right? And so long before any science gave us all that information, God already knew, I want to protect my people. And in Leviticus 13, where we are today, we're going to be looking at skin diseases. So it's commonly spoken of as leprosy. If you notice when we titled the message, I'm calling it blemishes. Um, And I did a little tongue in cheek for those of you who are concerned about blemishes. But What we find is that God is talking to the children of Israel about all these different types of skin disease that might be communicable diseases and how to deal with them. One of those is leprosy. And like in my Bible, it's a New King James Bible, the word that is used is actually translated leprosy over and over and over again. But if you look at the context of the chapter, there's a lot of different strains of this skin disease. And many commentators would tell you that what is being discussed is not leprosy only. That's one aspect of it. When we think of leprosy, you think of leper camps in places like India and other places. And I'll talk about that in a second. But this really has a larger view than just one particular disease, leprosy, or today we would call it Hansen's disease. But it has a larger context of all different types of communicable skin diseases, okay? So we'll we'll break it open, but what we're going to find once again, this is a a section, chapters 13 and 14, but I have to split it up into two messages because there's just too many verses, and I love you guys enough not to want to keep you here till midnight to try and get through both chapters in one clip. So I'm going to break it up for you. So let's just jump right in. Leviticus chapter 13, picking up in verse 1. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses And Aaron saying, when a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of the sons of the priest. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body. It is a leprous sore. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one 
who has the sore for seven days. Verse 5, and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. Then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore has faded and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab should at all spread over the skin after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. Okay. So now notice, God has given these instructions to the priest. So in some ways, the priestly class not only was responsible for all the different happenings of the tabernacle and later the temple, but they're also in a way kind of like health officials or doctors because they were responsible to steward the well-being of the children of Israel. So what happens now is in, in verses 1 and 2, we says if a man has on his skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to the one, to one of his sons, the priest. So what is this? Imagine this is, you're in the children of Israel, all of a sudden some sort of a sore pops up, right? If, right as you notice it, you would go to the priest and present yourself and show them what it is. And then the priest would begin to make a determination about are you... Do you have a disease that could be communicated to other people? And if you, until they know you are isolated so as not to pass along whatever disease you have, and we see all these different types of tests. So God, in effect, is asking the priest to look out for the people that people would not be sick. That's one of the, the roles of a leader is to protect people. And one of the ways you protect people is by saying, listen, this is not a healthy situation. You need to isolate yourself from other people as not to spread along whatever the disease is. Now, what's fascinating about this is that God realizes that we impact the people around us. We don't live in a vacuum. See, this is a big discussion in America today as it relates to morality because people want to say, well, listen, who are you to tell me what I'm allowed to do with my own life? And the logical answer to that is we live in a free country, but freedom is not cheap and everything that everybody does impacts everybody else. We don't live in a vacuum as much as we want to pretend in our post-enlightenment way of thinking that we are individuals and we can do whatever we want. It doesn't impact everyone. No, it impacts everybody. Everybody gets impacted by the decisions we make. And God wants his people to be safe. That's what he wants. And so with, within the covenant community, if somebody has a sore or a scab or a bright spot of skin, they want to know, is this a disease that can spread? Is it going to make people sick? And we're going to take precautions until we know for sure. Now, you'll notice as we read down that in verse 3, the priest examines the sore on the skin of the body. And notice, and if the hair on the sore appears to be, if the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, 
So you notice that what the priests are looking for isn't just a surface blemish, or is there something deeper at work, which would, in effect, be not just a surface flesh issue, but would be something deeper, and if it affects the hair follicle that it loses its pigmentation, then there's a problem. Now, what's important about this? What is inside of you ultimately comes out of you? That's, the lesson for us is that whatever, if you're sick, it begins inside and then it manifests itself outside. And that is not only true of our physical bodies, but that is true of who we are spiritually as well. Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. And by extension, out of the abundance of the heart, we act. So before you steal, you're already a thief in your heart. The act of stealing proves what is already in the core and the depths of who you are. And Jesus says that it's not what we do that defiles us, but what we are. What's inside, that's the problem. And what is inside our heart pushes out into the world around us. Now, what's interesting about that, of course, is that's exactly why we believe in Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus, I want to explain to you why you should. Because in every religion, in every philosophy, there is going to be an attempt to make your life better, to make you a more healthy member of society. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Behavior modification is a good thing. But I'm here to tell you behavior modification is not enough. Because God does not want to place a Band-Aid on something that needs an antibiotic. God doesn't want us just to change our actions. God wants to change our hearts. He knows if our hearts get changed, then our actions are going to change. And Jesus, you'll notice, almost never goes at outward actions. He goes at the root reasons why we do what we do. And one of the things that Christianity is all about, unlike every other religion, every other philosophy, is Christianity places the heart as the most important battleground, not the actions. Whatever your actions are, it shows what's in your heart. Yeah, like it's kind of like the idea, like, I used to steal. And so people say, well, don't steal anymore. So you may stop stealing, but you still may have a covetous heart. And the reason you steal is because your heart is covetous. So you may not act on it, but your heart's still wrong, and the content of your heart is what you are judged for as you stand before God. So God is saying, look, I don't want you to steal, but I actually want to change your heart. Instead of making, giving you a covetous heart, I want to give you a generous heart. Not so that you don't covet, but your heart is giving so that the people around you may experience God's blessing. So the issue of leprosy, it's, it's one of the perfect examples of the human condition because leprosy begins inside and then manifests itself outside. It begins, it's an internal problem that has external effects. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. And that to me, like when I was researching religions before I became a Christian, that was the one thing that grabbed me about Jesus is Jesus wasn't going at the issues with my lifestyle, he was going at my heart that drove my lifestyle. And if you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, whatever your actions are that you don't like, rather than just being content with behavior modification, say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what's in my heart and change my heart. And I'd even go so far to tell you that the fact that you're even asking the question 
proves that God has already changed your heart. You're just learning how to be the new you. And you have a lot of history and repetitions of being the old you. But it begins inside and it works its way outside. And if you notice, as we read this section, the priest examines them, sets them apart for seven days. Does it spread? If it spreads, then you're unclean. You need to be put away because this is something that is spreading. It is communicable to people. But if it's not spreading, he's like, wait seven more days just to make sure. And then checked in again. Oh, it's not spreading. It's just a blemish. You're fine. So the concern is both the community at large and then the individual. And don't get me wrong. You say, oh, well, if somebody has leprosy, they're put out of the community. They are. Because sin separates. It does. You read in the New Testament about the idea of what we call church discipline or asking someone to leave the fellowship for the protection of the fellowship. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians 5, and then again in 2 Corinthians 1. It happened in the church in Corinth. Now, I'm here to tell you, as a church leader, I've been involved in what's called church discipline. It's never meant to be a punishment. It's actually meant to be restorative. You're saying, look, the community is more important than an individual. See, our culture hates that idea, doesn't it? It's like, we live in a culture, the indiv- me as an individual is more important than my community. But God's heart is that for the people. And so what happens is, is God says, if one person needs to be isolated out so that everybody else is healthy, it's worth it. And so for the person with this leprous sore, he needs to, they need to be put out of the community because what good is to keep them in and see that infect everybody? Now, by way of application for us, in regards to people who are bad influences on us, I think it's important to remember that all of us are bad influences on each other in some way, because no one's perfect. But we also have to be honest about people who, what they are and what they do, if it wrecks your life and your faith, sometimes you have to say, I'm sorry, I, I need to isolate myself from you because it's not worth it for their unhealthy influence to perpetuate in my life. And that's, I don't, that's one of those things that when it happens, it's tragic, but sometimes it has to happen. We choose who we're influenced by. And sometimes we have cancers in our life. We have people who don't love us, don't love God, and just break us all along the way. And at some point, you have to say, is it, God, is this really your will? I, I can still love them, but they don't have to do what they're doing in my life. See, then don't miss that. You can love somebody and not let them ruin your life. You don't love them by letting them ruin your life. So there is this idea that when somebody could permanently hurt the whole community, they need to be isolated out. And it's interesting that God gave this responsibility to the very same people he gave the responsibility to stand before him for the people and the people for him. So what I always encourage people is that if you're dealing with some of those things, get the counsel of somebody who loves the Lord and has a good proven track record of having wisdom. Because a lot of times we can make these rash decisions. And don't get me wrong, pastors are as fallible as everybody else. Leaders are just as prone to mistakes as everybody else. 
When you have people who have proven track records, they have a good tendency to be able to give you some sound counsel and advice, looking out for you. But brothers and sisters, I think what we want to also remember in regards to leprosy, that it begins as nothing. It's the perfect example of sinfulness. It begins small, it's painless in the beginning, it grows slowly, it comes and goes, but over time it numbs the senses and it causes decay and deformity and ultimately it makes people repulsive and isolates them. And don't miss that about sinfulness. See, and I've learned this in my life because I didn't grow up in church. I didn't, like, wasn't like the perfect kid. I'm not the perfect person right now. My rebellion against God always grows slowly. It's slight. It comes and goes. But then ultimately, it isolates. It separates. It causes me to not feel anymore. Isn't that how sin works? First time you do it, you feel horrible. Second time... It's not a great thing. Third time, you don't even notice it, right? Isn't that how that goes? Because as we resist the Holy Spirit by not amending our ways and repenting and changing, the more we do it, we, it just becomes normal, just what I do. What was heartbreaking the first time becomes just a lifestyle by the third or fourth time. And that's why we always want to be in that place where we're saying, Lord, we are not playing around because when this rebellion blooms into a full growth, it will completely separate me from people that I love. If any of you have ever watched someone go into the throes of addiction, it always goes that way, right? It begins with playing around, then it begins with the beginning of personal disintegration, and then ultimately you don't even know who you're talking to anymore. What happened to that person? The person who I knew and loved no longer exists. And what's amazing is, is when we see it in something like, an, like addiction, which is so observable, it's easy to forget that maybe our version of that, it does the exact same thing, except it's respectable in our culture because it's not as destructive. Pride does the exact same thing as addiction. It's self-addiction. It doesn't look exactly the same, but it still plays exactly the same. So we need to take seriously Take seriously the rebellion that begins small in our hearts. And I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit loves to put his finger on that stuff for us. To say th those convictions that we get because God is our father and he disciplines and chastens his own kids, not in an, in an unhealthy way, but in a loving and concerning way. When he presses on those things, we need to not resist them. We need to say, oh, yes, Lord. Because don't forget, no Lord is an oxymoron. You can't say no Lord and it actually mean Lord. If he's your Lord, you don't say no. So we need to lean into that. And brothers and sisters, listen, no one's perfect except for Jesus. And that's why he died and rose again. Jesus is Now, here's Pastor Daniel with some important information about his book entitled, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. Thanks, Josh. 
Writing my second book honestly, getting real about Jesus in our messy lives was a huge milestone for me. It personally helped me to clarify some of the meaning behind the mess of this life. I talk about acknowledging the mess, finding resolution, pursuing God, and finally about the love that Jesus has for us. I'm so excited about this book and I want to make sure that every Jesus is Real radio listener has a copy. I'm going to pass things over to Josh. He's going to tell you how to get your very own copy of Honestly. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Honestly, getting real about Jesus and our messy lives is an insightful, simple-to-read book that helps make sense of the messiness we call life. We know Jesus never promised that our lives would be pain-free, but He did promise that He would always be there with us while in the midst of the mess. We want to make sure and get a copy of Honestly into your hands. Throughout the month of February, we are offering Daniel's book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives, to anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $20 or more. Your support helps us continue this important ministry and even expand. It's pretty simple. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option in the main menu. There you can give your gift of $20 or more. And again, we'll send you your very own copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives as a thank you for your support. Again, to partner with us, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner to get your copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we want to thank you for joining us today and may God bless you. Where we need